Welcome to the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Versero here on the Leadership Lowdown. We're so glad you joined us today. And today we have with us a very interesting young lady all the way from Iron Mountain. I'm sorry, Ironwood in the Upper Peninsula. So we have with us Gina Jackwart Thorson, who is the president of Stormy Cromer. And so welcome, Gina. We're glad you're here. I am glad to be here. Thank you. <laughs> well, we've been looking forward to this. We talked to your dad a few weeks ago, and he is a delightful and very engaging individual. So we were so excited to meet his acquaintance, and we got to talking about the dynamics in the family uh, business and all the things that have have gone have gone on in your organization. And and frankly, he seemed to think that you were a very key and instrumental person. He gave you a lot of credit. Do you want to you want to take a bow right now? Oh well, that's. You know, your dad never uh, never stops uh, thinking of you as a little girl, right? <laughs> Well, he's he's awful proud of his of his all grown up adult girl for sure, and I'm so glad you're here with us today. It's exciting to talk about these uh, these kind of business successes, and when we think about business success in Michigan, it's always exciting for me to hear great dynamic stories, especially from our friends in the in the Upper Peninsula, because the Upper Peninsula of, of Michigan, um, uh, I think the total population here in the state is uh, roughly 10 million and I think about in all that beautiful tundra up there I think there's only about 300,000 people that live in the upper peninsula so you've got a lot of room to grow up there for sure. Yeah we sure do Um, we love being here it's a beautiful place to go home and I think we kind of like yeah sometimes the uh the uh, sparsely populated nature. It's, it's wonderful living here. <laughs> no doubt. So tell me, uh, are you a, are you an Upper Peninsula girl all your life? Is that where the where your family got its start? Yep, born and raised here in Ironwood, and um, you know, my, went to school here, high school. And in fact, um, my family has been here quite a long time. My um, several generations of business owners um, here in the family in the Ironwood area, going back to some great great grandparents that owned a hotel. Um, in Ironwood in the late uh, 1800s. So we've been here in Ironwood a long time, and um, I've got two grandparents still with us uh, here in Ironwood, which is um, incredibly fortunate uh, to have. And um, But I was one of those kids who grew up in the UP in a small town and wanted to get out as soon as possible. So I had a journey that took me away for a while before I realized that I, what I was missing. Well, that's interesting you say that, and, and I want to I want to stop there just for a second, if you don't mind, because... Part of what I see with especially young people, and it happened in my hometown. I, I was born and raised down in uh, an area called Chelsea, Michigan, close to Ann Arbor. And, and uh, one of the things that we talked about back then is I had so many friends that I can't wait to get out of here and everything else. And then I, I don't know, is it a homing beacon or what? But people tend to tend to uh, realize that when they see the rest of the world that where they grew up wasn't such a bad place after all. So it's interesting. You um, you Did you get out successfully out of the upper? Peninsula for a while? I did. I went to college in Wisconsin. Of course, that's not really getting out since we're on the border here. So <laughs> I went to college in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And then um, my husband, well, my fiance at the time, he and I moved actually to Dallas, Texas. So we moved far away. Oh, wow. And um, I had a, a very different career. And we had the first, you know, 10 or 11 years of our marriage living in Texas, living far away from family. His family was from Milwaukee, so also from the Midwest, and uh, we, we lived somewhere else, and we, it was a, we had a great experience. It was wonderful, I think, to leave, to live in a big, I mean, Dallas is a big... Oh, it's monstrous, area. yeah. Yeah, 
live in a big city, be on our own, have to figure things out. We really grew a lot as people and even as a, as a married couple. And um, I had a great career. We met tons of great people. But it was Texas. And it was very hot <laughs> for, for a youper to be living in Texas. And, um, you know, it was just, we missed, we actually missed snow and we missed the four seasons. And right. We would vacation back here. And um, my dad would always fill us in on the business and what's going on. It was just that kept happening and kept happening. And I think finally we had had a long enough time to become our own people and have our independence. But there was also this lure, not just of the Midwest and coming back to this area, but also of the business. And I had really started to think, well, maybe I do want to be a part of the business. so that was a kind of a big change because I had told my dad many times, not only no, but hell no, <laughs> I would not, would not come back. So I changed my tune in my, you know, my 30s and um, haven't looked back really. Well, and there's so many good things we're going to talk about because you decided not to look back. And I think I, I just love that decision. I think it's exciting. And, and you know, uh, interesting enough, I had a nephew that one time lived out in, um, in Texas and I think it was Kerwood or Kerrville or something like that. But at any rate, he sent me a picture in January of a 72-degree uh, thermometer in his truck. And um, and I thought, well, pal, I didn't hear from you this summer when it was 113. So I I just know that uh, that it may be, may be uh, good to get, get where it's... Uh, uh, warm in the winter, but I got to tell you, it gets too hot for me because I'm a I'm a Michigander all my life. Well, we're gonna, looking forward to unpacking some more of this story and learning more about your situation because you've got a great iconic uh, brand to talk about. And so we're so glad you joined us here on the Michigan Business Network. We're glad you tuned in to Leadership Lowdown. This is Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Most of us aren't looking around for accidents waiting to happen. That would be sort of odd. But when you have Accident Fund Workers' Compensation Insurance, that's exactly what they are doing. Accident Fund employees are the WorkSafe people. They take your safety very seriously because that's all they do. Workers' Compensation Insurance. That's why they're rated A-excellent by AMBest. Go to AccidentFund.com slash WorkSafe and get the WorkSafe people. Accident Fund is a wholly owned subsidiary of Accident Fund Holdings Incorporated, the 10th largest workers' compensation insurer in the United States. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Verstro, and I am honored to be your host here on the Leadership Lowdown. And I've got with me today, all the way on the other end of my line, Gina Jacklart Thorson, excuse me, but she is the president of Stormy Cromer. And of course, she's uh, calling in from Ironwood, Michigan, which is a glorious, wonderful place to live uh, at least three three of the four seasons of the year. So, And they always kid uh, about this, Gina, that, you know, uh, the, the UP gets two seasons which is basically winter and spring what are your thoughts on that yeah it is very true and it's sad because the best season here i think is the fall and if sometimes it's just 
so brief, you know, we rushed right into winter. But, yeah. Um, it's a, it is truly a beautiful place to be. Well, in our last segment, we talked about you You took the leap and went out to, to uh, the amazing town of Dallas, Texas. And, of course, uh, that was so radically different from what you've experienced uh, in Ironwood. So tell me, um, when you get out to Dallas, uh, you took on a career out there. Did that career uh, prepare you for your current role? Was that helpful? Yes, it did, although it might not seem that way on the surface, but I, um, I was a kid who had a great love of the arts of all kinds, and I actually, my degree is in arts administration, oh. um, so I had dreams of, like, you know, running the Smithsonian someday, you know, big <laughs> dreams of running a big arts organization, and I went to Dallas, and which has really a very vibrant arts community, and I got um, engaged with, uh, or got hired by an organization um, that at the time was called Young Audiences, and we worked to find local artists of all kinds and integrated them into the public schools and brought them into schools. And so it really, you know, hit on a lot of my passions, um, you know, personally. Um, I had actually, my first, I had first gone to college as a music ed major and then changed to the arts administration. So the, the education piece was important to me as well. But I got into this organization at just before it started to grow exponentially, and I just had the great opportunity to, to work with a woman who was our executive director who really showed me what a strong female leader looks like. Mm. Um, she was charismatic and outgoing and a great connector uh, of people and networking and just really having a great vision for where our organization wanted to go. And I got to work really, really closely with her, and as the organization grew, I got to be um, the vice president of programs, and we were about a $12 million nonprofit. Wow. We were not a tiny little organization. And what I didn't realize is, or I kind of realized as I was learning that, you know, you get a nonprofit that size, it, you're running a business. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, you, have a, you have a board that you're reporting to, and you have obligations to the community, and you're getting in. Uh, dollars from other donors that you have to be stewards of. And so I was really learning how to be on the management team of a business that's about the same size as the business I came back to. Um, so I learned so much about leadership that translated, even though on the surface, you know, very two very different industries, but it was a great preparation for me. Well, I think that's really great. And if you don't mind, I, I want to stop for a second and talk about that that leader that you mentioned that you learned so much from. You talked about her, her charisma and that she, she, she must have had a certain energy level and a dynamic that she brought to the table that kind of got everybody excited about the cause. Is that, is that what you mean by that? Absolutely. I mean, she saw opportunity where other people didn't. And she, you know, sometimes she, she was really far out ahead of the organization, you know, leading us, seeing the vision. And then she did such a great job of getting the rest of the team on board. And, and she was a real proponent for change. And change is really hard, but if you're, if you're not changing, you're not growing. Mm. And so she really pushed that organization to change. And I feel like I just got very comfortable with change and with growth and innovation, it was the norm there. And oh. so I feel like that's something that I brought back, you know, to Ironwood and to our company that we won't survive if we try to be the same sewing factory we were 20 years ago. We won't be here, you know, in 10 years if we, if we act like that. So um, that kind of um, just being around her, like you said, her energy and her leadership in, in pushing us forward was just a great thing for me to learn. I mean, I was started working with her when I was 22 years old. So oh, that right out of the gate. Yeah. Well, you said something too, you know, the whole the whole notion of, of being able to change. When 
when I think about some of the most uh, difficult things uh, in an organization is change because people uh, uh, just automatically, almost naturally resist change. And so they want things the way they are. They want the, they want to seek normal. Um, and so when you start talking about, about really being good and being in change, did, did, was your organization in a, in a state of constant flux? Was it, was it always uh, that way or was there ever a, a sense of norm? No, I think it's just that we were growing so rapidly, and yeah. so with growth comes change, right? You need to add team members, and you might need to restructure how the staffing is organized, and you need to, you know, bring new points of view to help you grow. So it was, I mean, it was it was pretty constant change, but it wasn't chaotic by any yeah. means. We talked about the fact that we all had to be comfortable with ambiguity. Like, uh. that was something we talked about a lot, and actually even when we hired people. If, if you know, people that needed things very black and white and structured... Yeah, it was a very gray world that we lived in. I think <laughs> that way in general. Well, ambiguity can be one of those things, and I and uh, you know, and, and speaking of ambiguity, we're out of time in this segment. I want to I want to continue this so much. So glad you're with us, Gina. You bring such a vibrant excitement to the whole show. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Chris Holman, and as past chair of the National Small Business Association and a small business owner myself, I understand when you run a business, you rely heavily on your computer network. Now, you cannot afford lost data, lost customer information, and that's why you should trust your technology needs to ASK. Contact ASK at 877-ASK-4ASK for a free audit and analysis of your technology needs. That's 877-ASK-4ASK. Or find them on the internet at www.justask.net. ASK, taking the hassle out of technology so that you can run your business. Thanks for tuning in to the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero, and on the other end of my line is Gina Jackhart Thorson. She's the president of Stormy Cromer, which is an amazing product that has a wonderful history in our world. And if you haven't heard about it, stay tuned. We're going to talk about it in just a little bit. But before we go there, Gina, I'm so fascinated by the the mentor that was important to you early in your life. And one of the things you said was the power of networking. And it kind of got my head turned around because I'm like, oh, man, for some people, networking is difficult. Some people might even think it's a negative word. I, I think it's I think it's a powerful thing, and I marvel at people that are good at it. Can, can you give me some thoughts on it? Sure, and I've, I've had the benefit of having two really great people in my life that are great examples of this. One is uh, my uh, mentor in Dallas, Gigi, and then the other is my dad. I mean, I have honestly called my dad the single-handed best <laughs> networker that I've ever met. And, you know, when, when I think of that word, it's not about – sometimes networking, I think, can be sort of – seen as pushy or I'm trying to sell you something or I'm, you know, there's some kind of motive behind it. But what I've seen, you know, these two wonderful mentors in my life do is, is they have a genuine curiosity about people. And so, and they love to meet people and they love to hear their stories. And then they've got this catalog in their mind of all of these people that they've come across with these different stories. 
And then they love to make connections. So mm. they learn uh, something from someone and they're looking to, you know, start a new business or expand their business or have this interest or hobby. And my dad is so great at saying, you know, I know someone who does that. I should connect you guys. I bet he'd be willing to help you. And just that, that connection and building this network of people who you know their stories, they know your stories, and but it's, it's a group of people you can reach out to. You know, we had an instance this year, or I guess last year, we needed a new uh, sales rep for a certain area of the country, out in the Rockies area, and we were really struggling to find someone that would really work with us. And kind of through some different activities my dad and I had both worked on, we had a connection to someone with one of the uh, national sports that's located out in Park City, and we thought, well, maybe he knows someone, and so we reached out to him, and who do you know? And we ended up hiring just a fabulous sales rep that I never would have connected with by just putting an ad out or whatever. Right. But that you end up with this sort of tribe of people who you've gotten to know, and, and they're willing to help you. So I really think of it more as a community and a way to help and support each other than I'm trying to network so I can sell you something or, you know, do more of that kind of angle. It's much more about connection. Well, and, and what's interesting to me is, is uh, a, just a great example. I, I really, truly enjoyed your your father when he was on our show the other day and and it's one of those things where where i feel like i know him but you know when you think about networking how do you keep those those uh, relationships fresh i mean i i feel like i should drop him a note saying uh saying hello or it's been a while since we talked hope you're well uh is that kind of the way you keep those those relationships fresh and, and engaging absolutely i think that's a huge part of it and and you know this Last year, there's been so many negatives with, uh, you know, people are sick of the screens and the Zoom uh. and all of that. But on the on the flip side, especially for folks that live in a more remote area like we do, it's technology really does help you stay connected to people that you've met. And you can just, you know, even, you know, LinkedIn or, or emails or text, you know, just dropping in and saying, hey, I thought of you. I was, you know, I, or I went through your town the other day and I thought of you. I hope you're doing well. So... It is, but it has to be genuine also. It yeah. can't be manufactured. And that's when I said, you know, like my dad has a real genuine interest in people. And I think I do too. Like I, I just want to know, you know, what people do, what they're interested in, what their experiences have been, because I think there's so much we can learn from each other. So as long as you have that genuine, authentic curiosity, then checking in with people doesn't seem weird or fake or, you know, made up. It's cool. just, a, you know, it, it's in line with, with your relationship. Yeah, it wells up from a good place. I think that's a really, really good advice, Gina. I think that's exactly right. Well, when we think about um, all the people you get to know in, in a beautiful Ironwood, um, you know, the good news is there's not that many. In Dallas, there's millions, but, you know, over in Ironwood, there's probably not so many. But, you know, it's part of the story is um, uh, just just the things when I was talking to your dad, some of the individual personal stories that he had, his business is a personal thing. I, I, I think he, I mean, he told me about um, a, a Stormy Cromer cap that was uh, that he that he had put together and in, in uh, kind of rebuilt after uh, um, uh, the 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 I guess the wife uh, had lost her husband and it was his favorite cap and they sent it his way and anyways it's just so cool to see the way that he interacts because your point is it's genuine and it's real and it's not contrived. Yeah, absolutely, and um, you know we get to do it well. Before COVID, we got to interact with people a lot more. You know, we, we had offered factory, free factory tours here, and it's just so wonderful to welcome people in 
to see, you know, kind of show them behind the curtain how, how manufacturing, how sewing manufacturing happens in America. And then on the same side, we hear those stories from people. And um, there's just, it is, it's a, it's a simple wool cap, but it is a cap and a product that comes with so many memories and connections for people. Well, we're going to talk about that uh, in our next segment because I'm so excited to to remind everybody of the Stormy Cromer brand and where it came from and all the all the backstory on that. And Gina, you're just the young lady to help us with that. We're so glad you're here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verschero. We're going to pay some bills and come right back. Sinair has an unwavering belief that all people deserve the opportunities provided by living in healthy communities. They've lived that mission for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. You don't make that kind of broad impact without a skilled, diverse, and highly valued team. That's one of the reasons Sinair has been consistently named a top place to work by Detroit Free Press, a Crane's Detroit Cool Places to Work, and a best nonprofit to work for. Learn more at www.sinair.com. You've tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown, and today my guest is Gina Jacquart Thorson. She is the president of Stormy Cromer. And so when you look at um, uh, that particular brand name, uh, it's one that I think is legendary, truly is, and it's made right here in Michigan, in beautiful Ironwood, uh, Michigan. So we're so glad that she's with us today. And you know, when I think about this, um, if I could rewind just a bit, you're out in Dallas. Your dad owns a sewing company and does a lot of different uh, things. But um, somehow, some way, he he decides he's going to buy a, uh, a a old brand that's been around for an awful long time. Can you tell me about what was going on right at that time in your company? Yeah. So Bob, uh, my dad had the. Uh found out that the Stormy Cromer cap was uh, not going to be made anymore in Milwaukee. And um, someone locally said, well, you should, you should, you have people that sew, you should do something about this. And this, you know, one thing that's important, I think, is that the Stormy Cromer cap, which is a wool, it looks, you know, the top of it looks like a ball cap, a baseball cap, and it has an ear band around it that ties in the front and it keeps your ears warm. But one of the things was that, um, it was very popular here in Ironwood, in, in the entire UP, but in Ironwood specifically, extremely popular. In fact, I wore one of these caps when I was, like, in middle school. We used to wear them skiing. Yeah. This was, like, you know, before you wore a helmet on a ski helmet, we would wear our black covers, and um, we actually would put pins from the ski helmet all the way around the cap. And so there was a, you know, my dad had pictures of his grandpa wearing a Stormy Crummer, and there was this really rich history and so he just thought, well, yeah, I have women who know how to sew, and I, I can make some of these, you know, in the slow time of year, and, and that will kind of be it. So it was, it, was a, it was very much a heart decision, I think, for my dad, not really a calculated strategic business decision. Yeah. Um, it ended up being wonderful, but it really was, a, like, 
oh, here's this product, and I would hate for it not to exist anymore, and I can help with that. So I'm gonna. I'm Isn't that cool? Well, you're out. You're out in uh, Dallas, which I gotta tell you is not a key market for the Stormy Cromer cap. No. So um, you're out in Dallas, and as he say, hey, guess what I did, honey? Uh, how, how did that all go down? Well, actually, was um, trying to think. I was in Dallas, uh, he bought the hat, and it was very much, it was small, and I thought, oh, that's really cool, and that's great, and how fun, and um, it took a few years um, for me to be watching the growth, and also for us to get, my husband and I, to get a little homesick um, yeah. for the Midwest, yep. and we came home one day, one time for a vacation, and um as we flew home, my husband and I looked at each other at the same time and said, I think we need to move back. And so I called my dad about a week later and said, so I want to know how it would be. Actually, no, I didn't call him. I was flying back here for another event that I had to be a part of. And we had coffee and I uh, asked him what it would be like if I came back. And I think his jaw hit the floor. Wow. I had suggested that. And I just, I wanted to be a part of what my father and my grandfather had started and I wanted to be a part of the community here in Ironwood, and I saw that Stormy Kermer had some real potential. Wow, that is so cool. And of course, it's pretty cool that you uh, uh, married a partner in this way, that he was willing to uh, buy into the notion of coming back, uh, quote, home, uh, even though that wasn't his home to begin with. He was from Wisconsin, right? Yes, he was from Milwaukee, um, but he loves it up here. Yeah. Um, he is a, he was a, a country boy born in the city, so he, uh, <laughs> he's very happy with the move. Well, that's really cool. And, a sort, and of course, when you get back home, um, did you did you come in with a title, or did your dad put you at a sewing machine? How'd this all work? Actually, I started out working in customer service, ah. um, which was a great place for me to start. I mean, I came in, you know, my sister um, works here also, and she had worked here for 10 years before I came back. <laughs> and But I came back, I sat in a cubicle, I answered the phones, I answered emails, and I entered orders, and I learned so much about the company. Um, and then as things started to shift, I started to, at first I just started to do some marketing to do with Stormy Cromer, and then eventually I kind of just took on more and more of the leadership and the direction of the Stormy Cromer piece of what we do here. So um, I think it was great that I started in customer service. It gave me a great foundation, and it also I uh, part of what you learn uh, growing up in a small business owner's home is to not be afraid of work. And so I had no problem sitting and answering phones and doing those other things. So it was a great <laughs> Well, and it's interesting for me because I had I had uh, seen the Stormy Cromer um, uh, uh, product a number of times, different places. Probably the first time on Mackinac Island that I noticed it for sale, and and uh, and then just the just a few months ago, I was um, in a store here in what's called Old Town here in Lansing, Michigan, and there was a there was a dealer down here, and um, I saw the Stormy Cromers in her in her uh, eclectic store. And uh, and she started bragging about your dad, and uh, I thought, well, it's I, I and it's back, and it's, it's made in Michigan, you know. And I'm like, I just got excited because I'm thinking, wow, what a great story to tell. And of course, the rest of the story is um, is where the where the ball cap came from, and all those years ago, the concept. Uh, and we're going to have a chance to get into that uh, in our next segment. But Gina, so glad you're here talking about your family and your family business because being in in business with your family members is never. Uh, necessarily easy, but it can be really rewarding, and I think you're sharing that with us right now. So glad Gina's with us. So glad you're with us here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Michigan, my 
Managing your office supplies is key to a seamlessly functioning business. With over 90,000 items available for free next day delivery and no minimum order, DBI can solve all your office supply needs from pencils to coffee at the very best value. Call DBI and ask a sales representative to show you their product offerings or visit dbiyes.com and request a product catalog. DBI does all things office, office supplies, furniture, and environments. You found the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks for Gina Jackhort Thorson. She's the president of Stormy Cromer, and she's with us today telling and regaling us with wonderful stories about the family industry up in beautiful Ironwood, Michigan, up in our Upper Peninsula. So, Gina, when you talk about um, this particular ball cap, i gotta, I got to call a timeout, and I want you to go back to the very beginning. I don't know the year and everything else, but I know there was a, there was a, a former um, Major League Baseball player that uh, was uh, retired and now working on the railroad, and he kept losing his baseball cap as, he, as his job was to look out the window of the rail on the train and see if, the, if it was on fire, I guess. And, and every time, it seemed like he would blow off his ball cap. Is that where this whole thing started? That is indeed correct, yes, and his name was George Cromer, and his nickname was Stormy because he had a temper. That's where the name comes from. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, and so what happened there? He had Did, did he duct tape it to his head, or what, what went on? So he uh, went, took, uh, went home one day from work, and his wife Ida was there, and he had an old wool baseball cap, and he said he needed it to be you know, adjusted so that it would stay in his head and also so that it would be warmer. And so Ida sort of snowed this earband that goes around the outside of the cap. It ties in the front, um, so it can be put on very snugly, and then the earband actually pulls down to cover your ears. So it was a very ingenious design. They patented it, and um, this was back in 1903, and it started with Ida and a few other lady friends sewing a few in their basement. Um, as his co-workers decided that they wanted one of those caps and eventually it was uh, moved to a factory in Milwaukee and, and it really became pretty iconic among folks who worked on the railroad. Well, isn't it funny? You know, I, I guess I guess I, I, I missed it because um, I didn't quite catch it the first time when I was talking to your dad, but Ida is the one behind the ball cap. Honestly, Stormy had a cold hold, a cold head, but Ida was the brilliant one that said, here, let me fix that. <laughs> so behind every behind every man is a woman, and let me just tell you, this should be called the Ida Cromer rather than the Stormy Cromer, right? Well, we do have an Ida Cromer. Oh, no way. Our lady's cat is called. <laughs> I, was, I thought, you know, goodness gracious, his name wound up on the back. <laughs> Well, you know, honestly, Gina, this is why I'm so excited to talk to women in leadership because they get it. <laughs> because they say, wait a minute, time out. Are you kidding me? I was the one that made this thing happen. It wasn't Stormy. So I just love that. That, that If nothing else, that's my big takeaway for today. I just think that that's so incredible. So when I when I think about uh, about this, you, you guys took over what was really a failing, I guess I can say that, a failing dying brand because they weren't going to do them anymore. And you guys invested and took it over. And so uh, today I think it's iconic and I, and I see some very good looking marketing uh, and associated with these ball caps. Can you tell me about that journey? And sounds like you had a hand in that. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to tell, so I'll, I'll keep it brief. <laughs> when I came back and I, I, I started to dig into the marketing side, it really was at the time both, you know, and I think product um, offering is really, obviously, product is a piece of marketing, so it's all really tied in together. And so our whole product line and the way we were talking about it was really geared at, a, at an older male customer. And not that there's anything wrong with that. We still have many, many, many customers in that demographic, and we love them all. But we did need to expand it. We needed to go beyond that. And so we really started, um, my dad had started some product expansion before I came back, um, which was great. And we had kind of uh, started, he did have the Ida Cromer before I came back, a uh, ladies version of the cap. Um, but when I came back, we started to push that even further. And, you know, when we thought about photography and, and looking at uh, people wearing our products, getting them in more, um, you know, lowering the age a little bit, getting some younger folks. Um, and by younger, I meant like, you know, 50 or <laughs> <laughs> 65. Um, and more women, more families. Because what we started to hear from people, we started, you know, the more uh, we took on this brand, and we got a lot of press early on for sort of rescuing or saving the cap, like you had said, people started to take notice, and this fan club sort of started. Right. And people would share all the ways that the cap was in their life, and we really realized this isn't just for some, you know, kind of curmudgeonly old guy. Like, everyone's wearing these. Yeah. I, if I have time, the thing I'd love to share is, our most popular women's cap is called the pedal pusher cap. And it's just like a normal chromer, except the ear band is sort of tilted off to the side and it's got a big wool flower. Oh. And I think that's such a great design. In the outdoor industry, so many women's products are what we call shrink it and pink it. You just make it smaller and you make it pink and you say, here's your ladies cap. But that's not really designing for women. And I'm so proud of the pedal pusher cap because Number one, it was my mother's idea, so she's not really officially on the payroll. It was her idea, and it was such an intentionally beautiful women's cap that was 100% functional, just like the original cap, that that in itself was a big um, proponent of us expanding our audience to a wider, especially to women, and really I think it's one of the things that has helped us a lot. Well, I think it's kind of genius, and, I, and I, I'm just so excited. We're going to have to wrap up with our next segment here. But, uh, man, you and I could talk hats for an awful long time. I just know it because uh, you're so effervescent and the, and the uh, love that you have for your product is so uh, obvious to me. So thanks for uh, being a part of this, Gina. Thanks for tuning into the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Dick Bercero. We'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com.
This is the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. So glad you joined us and so grateful for the time that Gina Jackhart Thorson, the president of Stormy Cromer Brands, is uh, is sharing with us today from beautiful Iron Mountain. So Gina, um, as I think about this, you know, um, I've met I've met Bob and I had the pleasure of talking to you today. Um, it just makes me think how how big is your organization? Do you have um, do you employ a number of people up in Iron Ironwood? Yeah, we have about ninety employees wow. currently. Um, wow! So it's a it's a decent sized operation. Well, tell me about that because you've got to have uh, that workforce up there has got to be grateful for you guys to be in town and also uh, got to be pretty grateful to uh, to have an organization like yours. Uh, so is it kind of a uh, mutual admiration society because the employees love it, love it there and you love them? Yeah, we have an amazing group of people, um, and we have a. Uh, we have a lot of very long-time employees. We have employees that have known my sister and I since we were little girls. So it's, you know, it's interesting now we're, we're in the leadership and, and uh, you know, they've seen us grow up and things. But we have a lot of 20, 30, even 40-year employees, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and they take a really great deal of pride in what they do. And, um, you know, we do, we do a f- some other manufacturing here that's not just Stormy Cromer, but certainly the Stormy Cromer part is, is the most public and the most outward-facing. And so when they, you know, see a, a, a Cromer on a celebrity or, um, you know, even if they're just in somewhere else and going through the Minneapolis airport and they see someone wearing a Cromer, they have a real sense of pride that, that they did that. We had an employee, she... Um, She's retired, but she tied the ties on the front of the cap, and she told me once that she was walking down the street somewhere, not here in town, somewhere else, and she passed someone wearing a cromer, and she stopped him, <laughs> took the hat off his head, and retied the tie because it was not tied good enough. Like, that is the kind of... Oh, uh, yeah. I, it's kind of like, here, let a professional tie this for you, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, and, and employees make the difference, and it's been a tough road for you guys. Uh, a lot of businesses have, have really uh, been through a lot. Uh, so tell me about, um, you know, your your um, uh, journey through the COVID uh, era. Yeah, well, I feel like some of my comments earlier about change are pretty appropriate now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just over, you know, whatever it was now, 14, 13 months ago when, when we got shut, when the, everything got shut down, um, right before the shutdown, we got a phone call from a hospital system in, in Wisconsin asking if we could make um, face masks. Oh. And so we actually worked over a weekend, a small group of us, um, to figure out if we could do this and could we find fabric and how could we do it. And um, we were shut down. Uh, the shutdown order came Monday. And by Wednesday, we had uh, reworked the factory and had called back a, a starting portion of people to come and work on masks. Oh, that's and, incredible. Um, yeah, and, and, and then we eventually made gowns also. And um, every day we kind of brought more people back as we worked out the bugs and figured out how to work safely and all the, you know, everything that had to be done. And we eventually, and we pretty quickly got everyone back who wanted to work, um, which was a great majority of our folks. I think really the only people that were hesitant, you know, at that time it was so unknown about COVID and, right. you know, people with underlying conditions and things like that, you know, weren't ready to come back. But we had a, almost a full crew here. People actually worked overtime because there was such a demand for the masks oh. and there was never any complaining. They just worked so wonderfully. People did jobs they'd never done before. We had people sewing that had never sewn before. 
um, people doing extra cleaning. You know, they weren't they weren't normally on the clean custodial staff. People were cleaning bathrooms and wiping <laughs> as we needed. I mean, everyone just did whatever that, that was needed to be done. Well, and it really gave us a foundation um, to have a, a really solid year. And, and then eventually, we also turned into making Stormy Crummer face masks, which you can. Uh, oh. <laughs> and we were able to do a, a give back um, component of that, so that every with every mask that we sold, ten percent of the sales were split between our local health foundation here in Ironwood, and then another um, organization we work closely with in Flint called the St. Luke New Life Center. And so we were also able to have a charitable component, um, which was amazing. Oh. All in all, it was a really, really hard year, but it was a it was a solid year, and we did some really good things for our community, um, our employees, and we kept our employees, you know, working. And um, and then um, Stormy Kramer had a very solid year too. So it was well it was, taken. It was very Taking uh, lemons and making lemonade. It just sounds like you did yeah. some great things. So I'm almost out of time on this segment, which makes me sad because I, I could just talk to you forever. I just love your your excitement for your brand and what you guys are doing up there. And I appreciate the way you uh, you recognize your employees. But there's got to be some people tuning in there going, I want one of those Stormy Cromer caps. How do I get one? So, um, you know, I'm not sure where your audience tunes in from, but we have dealers all over the country. Here in Michigan, we have about 200 stores that sell our products. So chances are you can find one near you. If you go to our website, Stormy Cromer, that's S-T-O-R-M-Y-K-R-O-M-E-R.com, there is a place at the bottom where you can find a dealer near you. And just type in your zip code. Um, we'd love for you to visit a local dealer. Um, but, of course, you can also buy from us online, and we're shipping as well. So I love it. So easy ways to, to find some products. Well, Gina, thank you. You are something. Thank you very much, Vic. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's so exciting to, to highlight a Michigan brand. So exciting to have a young lady like you in leadership and doing great things up there. So grateful for you. Grateful that you tuned in the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Verschereau. I look forward to talking to you next time.